Hey, how is everybody doing out there in podcast land? This is Severin Henderson again with another episode of Department 3C Presents, a podcast. Today I'm here with one of my good friends. I know I say that every episode, but that's what I use. That's what that's what I have to go on so far is having my good friends come on the episode. So just giving a little bit of information about this person that I'm going to have today. This is one of the few people that is like my regular friend that's not a fire friend from the great city of Chicago. Um, she she moved here by way through another state. We met each other um, around 2013 around Super Bowl time, and it was like in between our birthdays. Hers is in December, mine in January. And I was at a small bar to watch the Super Bowl. Um, she said, if you come back for your birthday, I'll get you a drink. I took her up on that offer. I came back, and she bought me a drink. And us being BFFs, the rest is history. Um, she was... She started off as an usher in my wedding. Then she just was in the wedding, so that was pretty cool. She ran around and jumped on everybody. That was that was fun as well. I'm not. I'm, I won't try and embarrass her too much, but hey, that's what what are friends for if not to embarrass you? But we, like I said, this is one of my um, friends that isn't a fire friend, but she always like respects what I do, and she talks to me about it. We have conversations about all those subjects. She's been to my house. She's met my family. She's just the best. So getting to have her come on is very, um, it's a great occasion for me. Also, when I've been talking about doing a podcast for a very long time, and she was the first person that kind of like, yeah, let's do it. And she, she like took notes and, and we made a name and we had a design. We had a bunch of stuff. We had an opening sound. We had a bunch of stuff. So um, I won't give away our name because I still own it. Well, I don't own it by myself. We own it together. And <laughs> we can always resurrect it. Maybe it'll become a segment on this show, depending on how it goes with um, people how, you know, how this episode is received, which I'm sure will be good because she's fantastic. If anything, I'm going to have to try and keep, keep up with her. Her personality just explodes through the microphone, through the room, um, through television screens. I remember I was at work one day. I was watching WGN, and I hear this voice that sounds real familiar that's not one of the firemen I work with. And I look at the TV, and it's her on there making cider cocktails. So that was pretty awesome as well. Um, we haven't had a chance to catch up in a long time. So this is going to be like a, a big catch-up episode. We haven't, we haven't seen each other in a while. Um, right now we're going through COVID. We have lockdowns and everything else. But getting this opportunity to talk with her is something that I've been looking forward to for a while. And like I said, we were... She was the first person that I was trying to have a podcast with, and we, like I said, we may bring that back up um, in the near future. But before I get into the episode proper, I have to um, real quick, well, I don't want to make it real quick, but I had a family member suddenly pass away yesterday while I was at work. Um, very unexpected, not COVID related or anything, but a death is a death and um, sad is sad and support is support. So a lot of people who, so, some of them listen to the show, some people know me, um, a lot of people reached out to me over social media, 
um, through text, through calls, through other family members, just to say, hey, you know, that I'm sorry to hear that, sorry to see that. Um, very, very sad, very sudden, um, very tragic. And not just for me, but for her immediate family. She's a cousin to me, and we kind of started talking and got close over social media, actually. I mean, I would see her at um, family reunions, and we would hang out a little bit, but we really, like, bonded over Facebook and Instagram, just, like, laughing each other's tweets and memes and DM each other. Um, I've watched her kids grow um, online, and she did the same for me, and we that was our major um, connection and intersection. So, so, like I said, for me, it's, it's, it's sad, but for her parents, for her brother, um, the rest of my cousins, it's, it's really devastating to them. So I can't have any type of platform or, or talk about anything else without thinking of that and without bringing up that um, issue and that subject. So just wanted to say thank you for the support. Um, but all the love and support really should go to her immediate family, like, like I said. She had small children, mom, dad, and it's really a blow for us. Um, so that's that's for that. Back to our regular episode. So again, I have my friend here, Ambrosia Borowski. Always say that wrong. It's hard. It's hard getting those out, but... Um, I'm going to let her introduce herself, and we're just going to have a catch-up conversation, and hopefully you guys enjoy this episode and like it. And let's go from there. Ambrosia, um, how are you? Um, I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there? Yeah. Okay. Condolences. Oh, thank you very yeah, much. absolutely. It's tough. Yeah. No no fun, but, hey, we, you know, we got to keep moving, so... That's what that's what she would want. Um, like I said, we she would send me messages all the time, so I'm sure that would be a type of message that she would send me. So, cheers, oh, sir. Yep, that was one of our sounds on the on the podcast. <laughs> mm. So, tell us about yourself, Ambrosia. Uh, yeah. So my name is Ambrosia. I have been getting made fun of lately because I have probably the longest title. What, what, what's the longest friends. title? Uh, so I'm the general manager and beverage director of the Northman Beer and Cider Garden down on the Riverwalk. Oh, my God. I was trying to write that down, and I couldn't even... I don't even think I could have got that shorthand. <laughs> I'm the director of cider operations for the Northman Pub Cider. Oh, you're still going. I'm not done. Oh, sorry. I'm the... <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you I'm learning. Gotta gotta let you breathe. Go go beverage ahead. Buy, <laughs> beverage buyer for Fountainhead Market and Fountainhead, the restaurant. Okay. Uh, the founder of Chicago Cider Week. Okay. And the captain of Team Bams, which is Bars Against MS. Bars Against MS. I haven't heard of that. Um, so many titles. Um, one more time. I won't interrupt you. Can you give me all those titles one more time? I'm the beverage director and general manager of the Northman Beer and Cider Garden. I'm the beverage buyer for Fountainhead Market and Fountainhead. I'm the director of cider operations for the Northman Cider Company. I'm the founder of Chicago Cider Week and the captain of Team BAMS, which is Bars Against MS. Okay. So, like I said, I wasn't going to interrupt you that time. I wanted you to get, get everything out. <laughs> um, tell me about 
So I, I gave a little brief description about how we met and where you came from. Like I said, I met you at a real small bar. Your thing was to be like big from jump. Like I said, you got me into taking notes real well and writing stuff down and effecting action and everything like that. So kind of tell me where you started to where you're at now that you're a person who has all these titles. Um. Well, I, we used to argue over time who was um, who was Jay Z and who was Kanye. I don't remember who was who, but I don't, I don't know how either. you're feeling about that Kanye now. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I moved back to the city. I'm from Northwest Indiana, but I moved back in 2013. I was out in Toronto and Buffalo, New York. I opened a restaurant out there, and uh, I've always just been hungry. I think that's why we got along so well. Yep, hustling and hungry. And when I came back, I wanted to jump two feet in. I wanted to get into the cider community here. And I actually dragged you along to my first cider event here. Yep. Uh, Navy Pier. Navy back Navy Pier. When, yeah, it was yep. Cider Summit. Uh, and just just pushing ever since. And just filling my days. And, and one of the things that we used to talk about is Beyonce has the same 24 hours that I do. Yep, absolutely. Man, you, yeah, you remember everything. <laughs> but this is... Right, that's that's how we got to be so cool. You just dropping those pop culture references that were so near and dear to my heart. They still are, but still are. Um, you talked about you talked about how we went to Navy Pier. We went to the cider show, um, and now, like you said, you're the founder of Cider Week. So let's let's get into that. Tell me about tell me more about Cider Summit, Cider Week, your love of cider. Let's 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 talk about that. So Chicago Cider Week happens in February, and it follows Chicago Cider or uh, Cider Con, which was a conference developed to still is still exists. Hopefully, we can go there next year. Uh, but it used to be in Chicago every year, mm-hmm. and so Cider Week would either end with Cider Con, and if Cider Con was in another city, it'd be two weeks after. And Cider Week always ends with um, Chicago Cider Summit, okay. and. Uh, so I used to run the Northman that was up at Lincoln and Montrose, and we closed our doors in February, not because of COVID. That was before the U.S. knew that it was going to wreck us all, but uh, to put more focus into the cider company and so that I could move more into production. Uh, but I saw a need for the cider community here in Chicago and decided that no one else is doing it, so I'll just do it. So you saw a hole in the market and you filled it? Yeah. Okay. That's what... That's what we love. That's that's exactly what we want to talk about. Um, now you said the Northman was open and it closed in February. What did it close or did it turn into something else? Like what? What? Give me a little bit more information about what's in the space now. Uh, so we sold the building. Okay. And most of the inventory uh, took some of those gems with me, some of that Calvados and some of that cider with me. But uh, the place that's there now is called Cobblestone. Oh, okay. I haven't been up there. I haven't even been past, so. Me either. Don't, don't know. So the Northman now is just on the Riverwalk. Mm-hmm. That's its only existence at this, at this stage. Yeah, and in our hearts. And in our hearts, okay. Uh, it was a outstanding, great place. Uh, the cod was my favorite. <laughs> The, um, fish and chips. Yeah, the fish and chips. That cod was amazing, um, especially like fresh out the grease. Ah, <laughs> super, super good. And it was like house-made ketchup too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, another thing, like I was reading through your bio that you gave me, and it was talking about how you went from the back of the kitchen to the front. 
Can you tell me a little bit more about that transition? What did you do in the back of the kitchen? Now what do you do? Well, you're not at the kitchen anymore. Now you're just buying all the booze. But <laughs> It depends on how uh, short-staffed we are. Okay. I have definitely been in the kitchen. Tell me about, tell me about those experiences, please. Uh, so I started running around in the bakery. My dad was baking when I was very young. And uh, I went to college and I studied linguistics and philosophy with minors in French and Russian. We can see how far liberal arts degrees will get you. And so I was uh, working at like a little shop called Buffalo Louis in Bloomington, Indiana. I went to Indiana University. Mm-hmm. And um, I was at the counter and I hated dealing with customers and I hated having to sell stuff. And I was like, I don't really want to do this. Let me go into the back. And there were no women back there, but I was like, no, just let me go to the back. And so they let me, and I started cooking back there and learned how to be a short-order cook. And then I decided to go to culinary school shortly thereafter, came back up to Chicago, went to culinary school, and then I moved out to Buffalo, New York to open a restaurant out there, and I was the executive chef. And I did that for a while. And and then when I decided that I didn't want to do that anymore, I, I went into baking uh, I baked for quite a while here in Chicago at uh, Chicago Diner and uh, Bleeding Heart Bakery back when that existed because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really want to deal with any of the meat. I've uh, been a long-term vegetarian, and I really enjoyed the last episode you did about avoiding red meat. I <laughs> really appreciated the molar the molar explanation and the canine explanation. I was right there for that. I was shouting along with it. You, you was there for that. I was. I, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm still I'm still contemplating those those dietary changes, but we can talk about it. I know it's just one step at a time. <laughs> one one step at a time. Um. So, like you said, you avoid the meat. So that's one thing that is like for me is always like pretty sweet about you like your convictions you're very like you if you say you own something you are on it for real and like the no meat thing we always talk about that and and I'm like oh I just just like the taste the smell and you like I do too but I ain't eating it <laughs> he said I'm I'm not with it I'm, and and you like the the substitutes that you use are always so interesting to me so um give me give me like a few meat food substitutes that you do. Oh, and then I remember something else. You took me to my first Indian um Oh, peas and cheese. I had it last night. Yep, peas and cheese. Mud- Mutter paneer for those of you that are fluent in Indian cuisine. Not me. <laughs> peas and cheese. That's just what I called it. I had never I had never been to a Indian restaurant before. Um, that one time you went, well, we went a couple times, but you invited me that time and you said, Yeah, it's good. It's it's a lot of um Indian food is good to be vegetarian because of the flavors and all the different, you know, spices and everything you use. And you were dead on. I had a meatless meal and I was full and satisfied. You know, I cooked for, uh, so I decided to get out of the back of the house because, one, there's no money. Cooks don't make anything. Chefs don't make anything. That's a, that's a fallacy. Unless you own, like, six or seven restaurants and, you know, have all of your stuff in, in Jewel and... Mariano's that you're not going to make any money off of it. So I switched to front of the house via wine because I had a lot of wine training in uh, culinary school. Uh, But I still like to cook and I still can jump in and I think it's made me a better, well-rounded general manager to be able to see that front of the house and back of the house are the same 
same team. But I had a bunch of my, my French friends over. I have a lot of French friends. A lot of French friends? <laughs> like from France, French friends? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. People make fun of me all the time because I, I typically have more French people around me than I do Americans. But I made them a three-course meal, and it was all vegetarian. And a lot of them are super skeptical because the French love their their dairy and their bread. And I'm celiac, so I can't I can't have any of the bread or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I uh, did a three-course, and they were blown away that you could actually eat a full meal, be satiated, and not have any meat. Right. That's it's that's me. Psychological. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if it's all psychological. We can argue about that later, but we can. <laughs> but that that's that's awesome. And and another thing that I always appreciated about you and your cooking abilities is even though you don't eat meat or even drink beer, because I remember when I was a big beer drinker, um, not anymore, but when I was, you even knew about like what would be good and what what like how to make stuff, even though you didn't eat it and you still could describe stuff. Because I always thought that was funny when people would say, what does this taste like? And you say, well, it tastes like this. It tastes like that. It tastes like the other. It goes with this. And and they would get it. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. So is that like a mind trick or did you really know what you were talking about? Uh, see it. It's not a mind trick. It's it actually, <laughs> um, flavor is actually 95% aromatics. Okay. You don't really need to taste something in order to know what's going on. Okay. I've, I haven't had a lot of stuff. I've never had salmon before. I've never had shrimp before. I've never had, you name it, I probably haven't had it. Uh, and with a, just a good sense of smell, you can tell what's going on. Uh, there's some things that you can't get from your sense of smell, like acid content. Uh, but if you know the style of the beer and you've read the book on it, then you can pretty much figure it out. Okay. So read the book on it. That, that makes me think of something else. Um, you're an author as well. So about reading a book, how about reading your book? Tell, tell us about your book. Uh, well, <clears throat> my book is nothing like your book. Your book is, is an actual like full published book and well done on that. Thank you very much. Uh, mine is a, I, the one that I have is a, it's a tasting book. Uh, okay. and so it's like the one that you bought me at the Cider Summit, mm-hmm. uh, way back in the day, 33 books, had no idea who it was. It's this one guy, Dave, he's awesome. And he prints them all in his, uh, printing studio in Portland, Oregon. And, uh, Sev bought me one of those books and I was enamored with it and I used it all the time. And then I met Dave at... I think it was at the Northman or at a cider con or one of the many cider things that we go to throughout the years. And um, he was talking about rum. And I was like, hey, I can teach you about rum. Give me 10 minutes. I can teach you everything you need to know about rum. And so sat him down, lined up some rums, gave him the elevator course on it. And when he came out with the tasting book for rum, he asked me to help him collaborate on it and to write it for him. That's awesome. So he didn't have a knowledge of rum prior to, well, like a vast knowledge of rum prior to meeting you? Uh, yeah, outside of like drinking it, and he didn't know like the technical parts or the categories or how how we compartmentalize and and deal with rum as a category. Yeah. Can you give me a few? Uh, so you've got three basic types of how we talk about rum with distillation. You have, and it's it's really like rum is depressing. Are you sure we want to go down the rum? <laughs> I absolutely do. We um, uh, just. I'm sorry, not to take you off track, but um, down in the depths of Somewhere, I still have our rum, um, 
our rum recording. Oh, yeah. Sailor Jerry. Sailor Jerry. I have our Malort recording. Mm-hmm. And it's one more that I have. Uh, Sailor Jerry, Malort. It was one more that we did. It'll come to us. Okay, keep going. I'm sorry. So tell us about the rum. Oh, that's good. So uh, we categorized them by how they were colonized, how the islands were colonized in the Caribbean. Okay. And uh, so you talk about French distillation, um, you talk about English distillation, and then Latin distillation. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest difference is going to be with French, you're using more raw sugar cane because Napoleon was using beet sugar during World War One in order to uh, use his energy. So he had a lot of extra sugar cane left over. And so you get something called agricole, which is more funky uh, and uh, comes from the straight sugar cane. Whereas you look at the English side, you're looking at Jamaica, Jamaican rums. I know you know about Jamaica. Absolutely. Uh, you've got a thing called dunder <laughs> and uh, it's more it's a dark heavy different type of funk and then you have the uh, the Latin which would be uh, more of your hybrid stills more of your um, balanced type of flavor profile okay now there's these are just categories that uh, one association has put out I'm extremely excited to see how this is going to change I just listened to or participated in uh, I didn't participate I, I, I watched um, uh, uh, radical exchange program that they had uh, about a full day of panels that was put on by Ash and Barry of, of uh, people of every color, well, except white, and different categories. And the rum category was absolutely fascinating. It taught me about how tiki shouldn't really be called tiki. You should probably be calling it tropical. And bringing in... Tiki like a um, like a tiki torch or like... like what, what is drinks. tiki? Oh, like tiki drinks. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. I don't usually drink. I, that's what we talked about on our episode. I, rum is not my favorite, but... Not yet. <laughs> Keep but, going. But uh, they, t- they had a full, plan, uh, full panel of, of people from all different backgrounds and, and talking about what's really going on in the Caribbean and, and who's making these products and who actually made them to begin with and who owns them and the disparity that comes along with that. And the, later that week I, on Twitter... The BBC uh, Australia but it did a whole thing about how the rum category is up and coming and this is the, this is the company that's going to do it. And it was a bunch of white dudes from Australia. I tweeted back, but they didn't hear it. But I was like, is this really going to be the representation of what the Caribbean is going to be like? Is this really where we're headed with this? Like, why aren't we listening to the people that are actually in the Caribbean and the people that actually make it? Right. And so rum history has got a long way to go. Uh, but it is a fascinating category. Yes, it is. It's it's very diverse and gets into a lot of areas. And that's like with alcohol. I I stopped. Well, I don't want to say I stopped. I have a drink every now and then, but for the most part, I don't drink that often. I'm just I just good for you. I just don't anymore. I, and I want to get into that with you a little more later. Um, but as far as like the complexities of drinking, I remember talking to different people about drinking. Um, and they're like, oh, people just drinking a drink or drinking a how it makes them feel. I'm like, eh. I mean, you can actually taste. Like, I had one buddy, he was a um, bartender, and he, like, had the most developed palate ever. He could taste every note, every hint of everything. And I just remember, like, some of the people I was talking to kind of making fun of that. Like, they're just talking. They're Good with words, <laughs> but I feel like you can actually taste taste different stuff in different types of drinks. It's just 
everything in moderation, even moderation, you just can't go overboard with it. And then, and that's a serious problem in our industry, uh, mental health and and something that we're all kind of banding together to do, especially right now during COVID and, and how our industry is being hit by this. Uh, it's it's really intense and the government is definitely not going to be giving us a bailout anytime soon because we're no Wall Street, but it is going to close over half of the bars and restaurants in the city of Chicago, and it already has. So we're, we're all kind of reaching out to each other about mental health. But as far as tasting and evaluating goes, I, I travel all over the world to do tasting and evaluating, and I guarantee you it's not stuff that we make up. And there are some... Do you have an explicit... Yes, I have the E. Great. There are some bullshit things that people say, and I hear them all the time, and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this smells like the wet dew on a warm summer day just after sunrise. I'm like, eh, shut up. Like, that is kind of bullshit. But if you, if you have something like this Calvados that we have right here, mm-hmm. that smells like, I would say, red apple skin. I can smell an orchard floor. Now, why would it be? Uh, hold, hold on. What is an orchard floor like? An orchard like an apple orchard? Just an, like an apple orchard. After I would, when you say orchard floor, you do have to specify if it was spring or fall. But if it's in the fall, you're going to have manure. You're going to have well, that's more in the spring. You'll have uh, uh, like rotting leaves. You'll have the grass. You'll have the the dirt. You'll have all of these sensory things. And, and sensory is no lie. And, and some people don't have a good sense of smell. And I understand that. But sometimes you do have a good sense of smell and it can transform you. I was tasting out a, a manzanilla uh, sherry for, for buying for the market. And I put my nose in that glass and I immediately was on a patio in Toronto in the middle of the day with nothing else left to do except eat cheese and drink the sherry. And it just hit me and it and you you know that you can smell something and you'd be like oh my god i'm back in my grandma's basement yeah and there is something about the sensory appeal to alcohol specifically because there are two things that deliver aromatics right sugar content and alcohol content so the higher the alcohol content or and carbonation also can deliver uh, it'll it'll come up in your face and and you can have this visceral moment when you're still stuck in the same spot like we all have been since March. You can actually <laughs> go somewhere else with just the just the smell of it. That's awesome. Well, I think you just gave people tips on how to take mind vacations. Just get a bottle, open it up and smell it and reminisce. Take you take you back to a different era. But I mean that 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 goes like you said, that goes we we talked about food, um booze. I have a former officer he's since retired and i guess i can say it because he's retired but this dude is like the weed king and every time he would come around he said here smell this oh it smells great here smell this oh and just and he and and that's another aromatic type of thing that like gets people going so Mm -hmm. that's that's very that's those are always interesting issues to me how people can pick up on those things. Uh, you, you said the orchard floor. I have never heard any. And then you said manure. Mm-hmm. Man, manure is poop, so you want to yeah. smell. Yeah, cow shit. Actually, we debate a lot in cider about the difference between cow shit, sheep shit, and horse shit. Uh, they all smell different. They all smell very different. Uh, I prefer, if, I'm more of a cow shit. If you say so. But I have a buddy who likes sheep shit in, in cider, and that would be Easy Orchards. It's all over the sheep shit, but I prefer the English stuff. It's more of a, okay. more of a cow shit. 
I remember that reminds me. I was in um, South Africa, and when I was there, we went on a safari. And the um, what's the person that takes you out on safari? The safari master, safariist, safari safarier, guy. safari guy. The gentleman that was running the safari was like he picked up a um, rhino pie of poop, and he was like, "Here, you can eat it." He offered it to me. You want to eat it? I'm like, ah, that's okay. No, thank you. He said, watch this. And then he ate it. <laughs> he was like, all they do is just eat grass and comes out. It doesn't stop anywhere. It doesn't do anything. It's really just like eating grass all over again. Sure. And I said, mm-hmm. whatever you say, sir, that's good for you. And you know what? That was another episode we were supposed to do. We were supposed to do South African wines. Yep, Pinotage. Yep, but we didn't. We I actually just picked up there. a. I should. We. Should, I gotta bring you some of that. I just picked up this awesome, uh, red blend. Uh, it's a can, and what these guys did was they noticed that the people picking the grapes in in the vineyards are black and poor, and have to travel in to do lots of manual labor. And the people that own the wineries are rich and white. And what they do is they donate fifty percent of their profits every year to a foundation that will try and help equal that out. Okay. And there's so many problems in the alcohol industry and, the, and just the consumer industry that we all got to start finding solutions to. Yeah, I um, was reading a book. And they were talking about, um, the book was talking about how capitalism is tied to slavery and it's like no way around it. And not just, not just um, African-American, or not even African-American, African slavery, just slavery, period, mm-hmm. like any form of capital. But that's that's a different conversation for a different show. We, we, that's what rum was. Rum, uh, rum was slavery. That's, that's how it got around. I'll try it was on the slave trade. Stay on topic. Because, yeah, we can, we can go off on all different kinds. Because like, like I was talking about, the Malort episode, we talked about how um, Malort started and where it came from, the Wormwood. Um, I have the, the person that was just on my last podcast, um, Vinny, he like, has a box and he just like, opens it up at work and like steam comes out and he has all these different little concoctions and wormwood was one of them so that's like kind of your initiation to the academy is here take this take this shot of wormwood and i took it and i'm like oh it tastes like malort like malort what's that i said oh it's a it's a booze it's a chicago booze and he's from um detroit and of course me i'm from out of town as well but when I got to Chicago, people were like, here, drink this, drink this nasty drink, and that'll make you one of us. And I drank, and I said, it's not that bad. <laughs> they said, what? What's wrong with you? <laughs> like, you could go bars and buy it for, like, you could buy Malort and a bottom-of-the-barrel beer. Like, what beer would they give you? Uh, it's like? usually old-style and a shot of Malort. Yes. It's called the Chicago Handshake. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what... Right, I would go out and that's what people would offer me. And I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. And they would like look at me like I was crazy because they were like trying to, who gives somebody a, a handshake this, like with a, with a wet hand? <laughs> that's, or who, you know, who tries to squeeze your hand off as they're giving you a handshake. So I don't know why it's called a Chicago handshake, but. Uh, old style Chicago beer. My dad drank old style. And Malort is, uh, I mean, it's controversial, of course, but it's back in the city and. We don't need to get me off a tangent on Wormwood because you know I make my own Malort. You know I'll get off on a tangent on Malort. Yeah, we had. That's Jepson, and they had moved to Florida. Then they uh-huh. came back. Um, well done. And then Besk. Uh-huh. Leatherby. Leatherby, yep. That's, mm-hmm. Leatherby is Besk, right? 
a leather VMAX basket. Okay, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it has the blue. That one's pretty. That one's like sweeter. Mm-hmm. So we like tried all the Malorts. Mm-hmm. That's a bartender, more of a bartender one. Okay, and then I remember I saw it on a shelf one day and I asked for it, and they like thought I was in the industry. I'm like, no, I just <laughs> want to try it. I just, I just got a friend. I got a buddy that. Your honorary, honorary industry. Tells me about that, about this stuff. Um, so, like, so many different things I want to ask you about. So, real quick, you talked about um, mental health. I remember I saw, I don't know how I saw it. I don't think you sent it to me. I think I was just um, deep diving, rabbit holing the internet, and I saw a video with you and another person in front of a bar talking about um, drinking and how uh, not yeah. to drink and when to drink and... Um, yeah, like that I was said, wide with awake, my issues. Wide yeah. Awake 52. It's Tell my, me about that, please. My buddy Tony, we're actually uh, doing a big old bike ride on Monday. Uh, I ride bikes with him, but he decided to do a project where he didn't drink for 52 weeks, uh, so a year, uh, to see how he felt and mm-hmm. uh, interviewed everybody, like a, a podcast or a, a video cast, I guess you would, for like every vlog. week. Yeah, a vlog. There yep. you are. Um, about what you do outside of drinking and, and, and how we take care of ourselves and, and what that means for us. And we talked a lot about uh, physical activity with mine, but he's interviewed 52 people now, and he's still not drinking. He drinks very occasionally, but he just decided it really wasn't for him after being an Irish guy that you know, binge drank for how many years. So he went past the 52 weeks? He's still he going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He has the occasional cider, uh, but for the most part... He's, he just kind of gave it up. It's, uh, it is a poison. It's a toxin. It's, it's not for everybody. And, and some people have the tendency to abuse it. And being self-aware is something that's hard to do when you're under the influence all the time. Right. That's, that's yep, kind of, I'm, I'm sitting in his boat. So, you know, if you wouldn't mind, you could give me his information. Um, yeah. Maybe I can reach out to him and see if I can... See if I can trick him into coming on too, because that's all I'm doing now is just oh, tricking, love to. tricking people into coming on this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll get Tony podcast. here. We'll definitely get Tony in here. But yeah, that's 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 definitely something I'd like to talk to somebody and explore, explore a little bit more of, because that's kind of how I started on my whole like. I finally I had been writing on that book for a while, uh, got it done. Um, working on another book now and I'm rounding a corner on it. Finally got this going. Um and you know, cutting some things out and cutting back on some other things and increasing other areas of my life definitely helped contribute to some of the successes I've had lately. Yeah, so, it's all about balance. Yep, it's all about balance. And I, I remember I was talking to a buddy of mine and um he was telling me about how I was telling him about another friend who like loves barbecuing. He like has the biggest barbecue trailer. Um it's like as big as a small apartment and he just barbecue bar. He like, man, why why how he get so far into it? I'm like, the same way you get so far into stuff. I guess all my friends just get so far into stuff. It's like the people I hang around with, they are go hard or go home. They so trying to find moderation and and balance is Difficult. So, like I said, that's kind of where this whole thing grew out of, trying to help people balance. At least that's trying to help myself balance, so trying to help somebody else at the same time. Yeah, when you lead, people will follow. We will see. That's what what I'm still trying to do. Um, So, as far as uh, another... uh, 
awesome thing that I wanted to bring up about you, and I kind of um, glanced past it when I was talking about your cooking and how how good that you do cook. You made for my wife and I the best wedding cake I have ever had, <laughs> ever. Like, I thought wedding cake was just supposed to be, it's here, just eat this cake, blah, blah, blah. You know, it is what it is. But you made this cake that was, like, actually good. So can you just – you don't have to give me all the secrets. Just how did that happen? So were you talking about your wedding cake or were you talking about your wife's cupcakes? The wedding cake. Because <laughs> I had nothing to do with her cupcakes. But that's what she wanted and the bride's always right. Uh, I don't even remember ta- – oh, I do remember the cupcakes. Mm-hmm. You made those too? Oh, those were yellow cake box, box cake. Oh, no, that's what she likes. That's what she likes. Yeah, she'll, she'll tell you that. Yeah. That's what she likes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, see, that's, that, yeah, that's what she likes. But I'm, no, I'm talking about the cake cake. Cake cake. Uh, so the key to a good cake is, one, don't overbake it. Okay. Uh, so what you're dealing with with baking in general is it's a big chemistry equation. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with fat. You're dealing with heat. Uh, you're dealing with, well, gluten in the case of yours. And you have to really get the the balance right of when the gluten and the steam come into play as well as the fat and, uh, yeah, dried out cakes are gross. And then also what people do a lot of times with wedding cakes, which, by the way, friends don't let friends pay for wedding cakes because it's oh, all man. crack of shit. <laughs> I know how much it costs to make a wedding cake. It doesn't cost that much. and uh, But it's, you know, it's the bread and butter. But the thing that a lot of people do with wedding cakes is they add a ton of gluten to them and they overbake them in order for the structure to really hold so that they can make them big and tower. And as long as you don't have a reckless driver taking your cake to the wedding venue, uh, they'll stay pretty, pretty upright as long as they've had time to cool down properly and as long as they've had time to really set. So you just, it's just you can't rush it. That's the thing with, with cake. You just can't rush it. I don't even know how it got there. Did you did you bring it there? I, I don't. I, I I had a lot going on that day, so that, you brought it there. Okay. Well, I must have <laughs> drove great then because it it tasted fantastic. <laughs> there was there was a lot of Beyonce involved. Yes. Mm-hmm. That like I said, that was that was that was a great day. That was a great day. That was a great day. We none of us learned how to tie a bow tie, but it was still a great day. Yes. It, yes. <laughs> it, it it was it was. Outstanding. No, that, I, I wish we would have videoed it. We, we got pictures and memories. I'm so glad that it was not videoed. Well, this is. So <laughs> just, you know, you got to video in our mind. One day, like on Black Mirror, we'd be able to like plug in something to our mind and then just play it all out and then it'd be, it'd be all good. So, um, so you, you hit every every issue that I wanted to you gave us who you are um the major thing you told us like you just gave us a tip of the iceberg of your vast knowledge of things that taste I won't I won't say good all the time but things that taste interesting and you like have a a really good understanding and grasp of it how did you get that grasp like how did you how did how did you get so good at identifying everything, learning taste, learning cooking, just that creative space there? I think it really comes from curiosity. I think that the first time, the reason I got into the service industry is because I really like service. I really, truly enjoy creating an environment for people to have a good time, 
to enjoy themselves, but to also be able to engage with each other on an equal playing field. And that's always been super important to me. But I think the first time that I got that spark of things taste a certain way and uh, you can combine them and, and not was, uh, it was wine class in culinary school. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was going out for a cigarette and my wine professor, who is a, a psalm, was like, hey, you smoke cigarettes? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, all right, take this. And it was a Dunhill... Uh, no, it wasn't. I forget what it was, but it was like a green tea cigarette. And he handed it to me, and he goes, "Don't go downstairs. Think about the wine that we just had, and think about that cigarette, and think about how they would pair together." And I went outside, and I smoked that cigarette. And it blew my mind that you could think about tobacco and wine, and the tobacco notes in the wine, and how they would combine, and. It, it just got me so intrigued that from that day on, I just started digging. What flavor combinations are there? Why do things smell the way that they do? Why do they taste the way that they do? And so when I'm tasting something or I'm evaluating, I have this long list of things that I go through. And this is a lot with, with tasters is first I run through all the fruit categories in my head. Do, am I getting any of these fruit categories? Am I getting berries? Am I getting stone fruit? Am I getting orchard fruit? Am I getting uh, tropical fruit? And then if I am, which ones? Are they ripe? Are they not? Which variety of them? And then I go through all the rest of the checking of the boxes. After fruit, you get things like herbs uh, and greenery, so like tomato vines. Or uh, then you can go into the natural part, like bark, mineral, whetstone, concrete, slate. Going into that, then you go into your uh, tobacco notes. Uh, You can go into um, things like your funk, like uh, manure. (laughs) Hey. It came up before. Let's keep let's keep bringing it up. <laughs> Dried hay, uh, marijuana, um, like retsina, which is a, a Greek wine that uh, uses uh, sap on top of it to preserve it. And it's got a lot of marijuana characteristics to it, or like a Sauvignon Blanc that can have a lot of marijuana characteristics to it, even though it's not that. Uh, and so you just run through this checklist, mental checklist that you have. And and you, the more that you know how to recognize these things, the more you want to smell. I, I remember there was a a place under construction right near my house and I walked past it and I wanted to walk inside because I wanted to smell some of the different construction smells that they were doing like (laughs) freshly cut wood and fresh concrete I know and I would have been a total creep and I didn't do it but I just wanted to be like can I sniff your construction site because it's really gonna help me with my sensory analysis very careful where you where you participate and do and those type of activities. That's, so That's all I'm going to say. I was cycling through Ileana and Wolf Lake, and uh, I, I, there's, like, a stagnant pool of water in the grass, like the, the big grass, and I stopped, and I was like, I've smelled that before. Where have I smelled that? But, like, now I know I can say that. A, a stagnant, marshy pond would be a tasting note that I would be able to work on identifying with some sort of f- fermentation. Okay, well, speaking of tasting notes, what is the weirdest tasting note that you've ever heard? Not that you can think of, because I think we had an episode about trying to make up stuff, and you were like, yeah, just keep going, just keep going, just keep going. But what, what, what is one of the weirder ones that you've heard? Somebody put on, a, on an evaluation sheet, I judge uh, uh, Glenn Cap, it's the largest cider competition in the world, and somebody put that it smelled like rhino farts. Okay. And I was like, when have you, when, when did you smell a rhino fart? 
They might have they they been on that safari <laughs> with me. When have you smelled a rhino fart? Another <laughs> one that I got, uh, it was, uh, smells like somebody took a burnt piece of cheesy garlic bread and was eating it in the middle of the cleaning product section of a Walmart. I love that one. And it was bang on. That's I, exactly I, I, what it smelled that's like. That's what it smelled like? Yeah. <laughs> so that sounded like a riot. <laughs> uh, a, a riot time. Where it was they, bad. Like, it didn't. It didn't metal. It was really bad tasting. They, they went and plugged in the microwave or plugged in a toaster oven from aisle seven. Then they went to aisle eighteen, got the garlic bread, and they put it in there, let it burn, and then they went in bleach and cleaned the supplies and just poured everything on the floor and ate it. Fabuloso, Febreze. It was all there. All there. Mm-mm. That was so gross. I, another thing. Do you know that the CDC and the internet has been teaching us how to make chloroform. Like, if you look at some of these things, they like, if you mix bleach and rubbing alcohol, it makes this. Or if you mix um, bleach and ammonia, it makes that. Well, now they have to. They have to teach us about cleaning products. But, yeah, now they're telling you how to make the cleaning products that'll go mess somebody up. They're telling, <laughs> but they're, I think the point is don't mix these chemicals and please don't put them in your body. That, that's in the maybe, book. That might be. I, I got a page, a page of that. <laughs> Is in the book. <laughs> a lot of stuff is in the book. If you if you haven't checked it out, please check out that book. Department Three C presents Canada's Guide to a Long, Strong, Healthy Career by Severin Henderson. Um, gotta gotta plug it. Um, it was one other thing. Now I went off on that tangent. Now I forgot what I was going to ask you. That's what always happens. But that's okay. Um, thank you very much. Is there any other? Subjects, topics, anything that you want to hit, anything that you want to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, the tavern. Okay. The tavern's how we met. Can we talk about which tavern it was? Should we? Millie's is gone. Yeah, Millie's is gone. Millie's was awesome. And Mm -hmm. I used to live, like, right around the corner, so I used to walk there. In fact, my buddy buddy, um, Matt's the one that introduced me to it, and I took it over as mine. Um... Guys took me to an extra cider summit. Um, I used to have a little pool table in there. I used to watch like all the games in there. Mm-hmm. It was a good corner tavern, a Chicago tavern. And you saw today, Lightfoot said that uh, they're closing down as of Friday. Any tavern that does not serve food is down. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. I thought it was just no indoor alcohol sales, just outdoor. It's the be- I mean, it's the beginning. That's going to happen anytime soon. Okay. We're just waiting for it to happen. But, uh, I mean, the tavern is the spot. And I, I wrote a piece for a, a cider magazine called Malice just about this, about about gender and and the tavern and how when you sit down next to each other in a bar stool doesn't matter what's in your glass. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're a fireman or you're a cop or you are a football player or you are a professor. It doesn't matter. When you're sitting down at the tavern together and you're all enjoying whatever you want to drink, and you should drink whatever you want to drink. I don't care if it's a martini or if it's a a pink sweet drink or if it's just a straight dram of whiskey. I don't care. You're all sitting there, and if it's a good tavern, you can all have a conversation about anything. And they say don't talk about religion and politics in a bar. Well, I don't really believe in that. If you have a good bartender, you can do that safely and navigate it. Yeah. And that's something that the Northman was. We have been there before with people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We oh, used to, yeah. Yeah, we used, to, we used to go there with people all the time. 
But if you're if you have a good bartender and it's being facilitated and it's a it's an inclusive space, and everyone feels safe to do it, then why not? I mean, some of our greatest ideas, the the revolution, which you know was kind of half sided, but a good idea at the time, <laughs> and uh, it, it all took place in the tavern and bringing people together. And for me, as a buyer, making drinks of of any sort accessible to anybody is super important and um i just really am sad to see the taverns struggling right now and the, and the taverns closing and i don't know i don't know what the structure of the bar is going to look like in the next year none of us know none of us know what's even going to happen next month but yeah the tavern has always held something very special in my heart as as a way for people to bond together and and have that other family not all of us have families at home and to be able to to walk into a bar and have that family has been something that's been very important to my life you sound like cheers it's it's cheers <laughs> i mean that that's that's exactly what you described it like i um that show it wasn't my favorite and i was of course young when it was coming on but i'm like man these people always in there they just they just drunk <laughs> and they you know i mean it was written it was scripted Maybe or norm, whatever but but it, it no. doesn't hold up i, I yeah. watched it recently it doesn't really hold up well yeah it might be yeah. but i'm I'm just talking about the concept the, the going, idea the, exactly the idea of going and hanging out you know i didn't got into plenty of arguments with people about issues and even when you like had to text me like, oh i'm so sorry that person said that to you I'm like you, how are you going to speak for them? That, that's, yeah. that's the, hey, that they're... Just making sure everybody feels welcome. That's, that's the point of the bartender. Yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put me out as far as that kind of stuff goes, especially from somebody I don't even know that I just met <laughs> like in these couple of hours right here. But like you said, we spent a lot of good times in there. Um, Sober bars, that's like a, a new big trend. The coffee We're shop? Still making. See, I don't like coffee that much. I mean, <laughs> I, um, <laughs> What are you talking about a sober bar? You're not, well, that's no, a coffee shop. Too. Well, no, no, no. It's an actual thing where they have like sober bars where they're making, they make designer cocktails, but mm -hmm. not with alcohol. So mm -hmm. like all the juices, um, tiki drinks, like you were saying, little umbrellas, um, make them the same way. They just make them... Um, without alcohol. Like, what was that one? I, I told you about that one bar where they made the drink with the egg whites mm -hmm. and the egg, the egg white and the um, rosemary. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they make stuff like that. But Yeah, there's, there's a lot of companies coming out with uh, alcohol-free spirits as well. Okay. See, so that's, that's what I'm talking about, sober bar. Yeah, Tony, uh, Tony actually works with that more uh, to do the uh, alcohol-free cocktails. I... It's it's hard to mimic spirits and mocktails. Mock, uh, yeah, it's isn't that what they're called or the, no? Now they're that used to be what they're called. Now they're because it, it's become a more serious movement and okay. to erase the stigma of if you're not drinking, you're doing it wrong, which I've always thought was bullshit. If somebody doesn't want to drink, don't make them drink. Don't force it on someone. If somebody doesn't want to take a shot, don't take a shot. Oh yeah, it's we your live in body. Super shot culture. Oh, it's that is a Chicago thing, and I've traveled all over the world and as soon as i say shots everyone's like oh you're from chicago yeah <laughs> so, uh no yeah well you always have that shots to gator that's in the crowd shots to gator i shots like to gator. that i am not a shots to gator but i'm writing that down i have a lot of friends that are like the other day one of my buddies were coming he was coming out and i was like oh he's on his way shots to gator <laughs> get ready but um 
now it's not so much mocktail as it is more of a non-alcoholic cocktail. And a lot of times, and, and Tony could speak to this more actually, of putting that cocktail on the menu in the cocktail section and not even denoting that it's not alcoholic. And if, mm-hmm. So that that way if somebody doesn't want to have alcohol and they feel uncomfortable about it, that they could be included into the conversation and sit down next to that person and have a cocktail made for them. And uh, if somebody is uh, pregnant and they can't drink, but they don't want to tell people they're pregnant because it's too early. Right. You can be served a cocktail just in the same way. Uh, so, I, you know, I think sober bars are a good thing. I just hope that someday we can get to the point where we can integrate non-drinkers and drinkers in the same space. Well, I think we can. Um, the, the peer pressure, I, I appreciate what you're saying there, like kind of, hey, drink, 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 drink. But, you know, if you kind of have like a strong will, like, hey, I'm not on it, and that's what you're standing on, that's fine because that's – one of the major things that, like, even COVID, I just miss hanging out and talking to people, talking to strangers about strange things, like people I've never met before. That's just, that's interesting to me. Just, and I don't want to say pick their brain because then that denotes that I'm trying to take something from them. I just like talking to just random people. Having, having a tavern experience. That's... Right, having a tavern experience. It doesn't have to always involve alcohol but i remember i i I said i forgot what i was going to say i remember what i was going to say you were talking about service and how you liked service and you liked and that's probably another one of our connected things because remember when you tried to convince me to be a fireman yes i I did i did try to convince you to be i'm like you should just you go to school you do this you do that oh you'd be great in the firehouse and then and then sometimes we would have arm wrestling contests and pull-up contests and push-up contests Mm -hmm. I've gotten better at my push-ups, by the way. Still not good enough to beat me, though. Let's try. Or or arm wrestling <laughs> contest. I'm 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 po- If I lose to you in an arm wrestling contest, I don't know what I'll do. I will challenge accepted. Vote for Donald Trump. So I won't you, lose. You are the Kanye. <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just jokes, but service is like what what connect was another thing that I think like connects us because that's what first responders and fire like if you're really into it, you really are trying to serve and help people around you. I mean, it's it's a life of service, and yours is just a different type of service, alcohol service. So I'm with that. I'm mm-hmm. Food service as well because you are really really good at what you do, and like I said, you. Gave us a lot of information in a little bit of time. You're just phenomenal. And you have got to come back. Um, I'm going to go find those old episodes. Maybe I'll make them bonus episodes or something. Or maybe maybe later on down the line we can, like, do a segment or something. to Like I, well, I said that at the beginning, we can do a segment to the show. Um, just kind of talking about what you bring. Speaking of that, before I let you go, is there any thing about anything i was thinking like um booze in particular since that's your industry but is there um anything that you would like us to know about anything special you can tell us about something secret not secret but something on the low that you want to promote to anybody like booze wise i mean calvados okay talk about it uh so everyone knows that i fucks with fruit brandy I drink a lot of Hennessy. I drink a lot of cognac. I drink a lot of Armagnac, and people tend to know those more often. Uh, but the little known spirit that I have 
been obsessed with is Calvados. It's it's apple brandy from Normandy, which is uh, the north of France where uh, D-Day happened. Is what they're most known for. Their major export is actually dairy. Um, so they have the um, uh, Camembert, Pont Levesque, uh, all those French cheeses that they're coming out of, of Normandy. Uh, but the cows that make those cheeses are actually eating the apples that are spent from the distillation. But Calvados is a spirit that really captures the eau de vie, the life of the fruit that it's distilling. Mm -hmm. And it does this over a long period of time. And there's so much in Calvados history and Calvados culture and so many different flavors that you can get and so many ways to make cocktails with it. It's such an exciting product. And nobody even knows how to pronounce it. It's really sad. Well, you, you're pushing us in a direction to know what you're talking about. So I appreciate that. Um, is there anything you want to plug? You want anybody to find you anywhere? Um, you want to plug the rum book? You know, any social medias? I know you're doing trivia. You want to? Yeah, so I do trivia with uh, Kite String Cantina. It's an awesome bar, Taquitos, and uh, they have like a little market set up. So now you can like go in and get your eggs from local farmers and a couple of other things to support the local farmers uh, in their space up on the north side. Uh, and then I'm a Mead of the Gods is my Instagram handle and my Twitter handle. Mead um, as in ambrosia of the you know, food of the gods. I'm with it. Uh, yeah, Mead of the Gods. And um, you can follow me there and you can catch all the different things that I'm doing. I do a lot of panels and um, a lot of webinars and, and education types of stuff. So You're yeah, everywhere. I think, that's a, I think that's the best place to catch me. You're everywhere. And then we're definitely going to have to have you come back. I'm sure you I'm here for I'm it. I'm sure you will. You're my buddy. So. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, Thank you. you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, you for inviting me. Hey, you are very welcome. Um, if you want to reach out to me, Remember, it's Department 3C everywhere. Um, Department 3C on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and I am Sevy at the same places. I-A-M-S-E-V-Y. That's just personal stuff. You'll see a lot of my kids and family. But <laughs> So cute. And Department 3C is the podcast, book, consultant, coaching, all of that big fun stuff platform. So thanks for listening to another episode and we will catch you next time. Bye. This has been a Fire and Iron Media production. You have something to say, people want to listen. How's that, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs>